It was an hour past dawn when a single scream came from inside the town. A moment later there was a second cry, cut off as sharply as a thread being snipped or a throat being cut. The two men who lay in the tall grass on the treeless knoll overlooking Sheffield did not flinch at the sound. They'd been shadowing the mercenary army on its slow march north from Nottingham for over a week, and such sounds had become commonplace. As Prince John's Flemish and Irish hirelings entered each village along their route, they helped themselves to whatever they fancied. When a place was being pillaged, screams were the order of the day. Sheffield was clustered around the outside bend of the River Don, with a timbered palisade atop a moat at the town centre. That fortress would not have lasted three days against the rams and trebuchets in the army's siege train, so the locals had bowed to the inevitable, opened their gates and hoped for the best. Those hopes were not realised. From the hill above the town, the two men watched as some of the more prudent inhabitants fled at the mercenaries' approach. Those who stayed would regret that decision if they lived. Meeting no resistance, the outriders of the army entered the town, and the screaming began. The men who entered Sheffield had spent six long months laying siege to the castle at Nottingham. The town that clustered beneath that fortress had been picked clean long ago, and the men were eager for new plunder, and Sheffield was untouched. But no longer. For two days the mercenaries drunkenly took their liberties with the town. At dawn on the third day, wisps of smoke still rose amid the charred remains of burnt buildings. From their hilltop the hidden watchers could see a dead horse in its paddock at the edge of town, and bodies in the surrounding fields, ripening in the August heat. The single scream that had broken the morning calm was the only sign that anyone was stirring in the town below. After a time, the larger of the two men on the hill plucked a blade of grass and began to chew on it. Magnus Rask was a tall, broad-shouldered man with thick bands of muscle across his upper back, a sure sign of long practice with a bow. He had a golden braid tied in back with a bit of rawhide and looked every inch the Dane that he was. He rolled toward the burly monk beside him. He'd got to know Father Augustine well in the months they'd fought together to hold the castle at Nottingham, and had come to appreciate both the nimble mind and the sword-arm of this friar they called Tuck. "'I think they're all dead drunk,' he said with disgust. Two hundred men could walk in there and butcher the lot of them before they woke. "'We've only got eighteen, Tuck reminded him dryly. "'and this lot might be sober by the time we fetched Robin and the lads from Sherwood. "'What's puzzling is why they're still here. "'Sheffield is hardly worth three days' plunder.' "'Rask gave a non-committal grunt. "'When the mercenary army had moved north, "'they'd watched it from the edge of the forest. "'There were well over two thousand men in the column, "'and they'd counted thirteen siege engines loaded on wagons "'and hauled by teams of oxen.' There was no other force in the land to match it. The likely target of this army was York, but here they still sat. Rask scratched himself idly and sat up. Tuck did the same, there being little chance that the drunken rabble in the village would notice two men sitting on the hill. Rask had an intricately carved silver ring around one huge arm and a short sword at his side. Resting across his lap was a longbow made of yew. Viking, thought Tuck.